recorded live. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christogenia Saturdays. Today is Saturday, August 3rd, 2013. Once again, I have Sword Brethren here with me, and we're going to present Addressing the Shills, Part 4. In March of 2013, and this explains why this is necessary, in March of 2013, after many inquiries and after being confronted by many of the people who listened to both of us, I decided once again to address the universalism of Eli James. We did a program of that title. It has almost 4,000 downloads from Christogenia alone on March 16th. That program simply took five or six, I think it was five, of Eli James' own segments from his own podcasts over the last three years, played them so that we hear it right from the mouth, horse's mouth, played them. They're all three, four, five-minute segments. Nothing was taken out of context. And without saying anything about Eli James personally, without leveling any personal accusations about his identity, his character, or his background, we only addressed the scriptural issues and proved beyond doubt to anybody with any damn common sense that Eli James is indeed a universalist. Now, because he shirks the title universalist with his own pet definition of the word, in the Saxon Messenger for May, and it's on my website, of course, it's on the Saxon Messenger website, I wrote an editorial entitled, What is Universalism? I presented my own definition of universalism from a Christian identity perspective, and of course, I'm not going to claim to be the authority who could de define universalism for all Christian identity, but I sure as hell can define the word so that people understand what I mean when I use the term and that is what I intended to do. However, I also gave, to be fair, the definition of universalism from Wikipedia. And I quoted several things from Eli James, which once again prove that Eli James is a universalism, because those things which he espouses, they fit not only my definition of what a universalist is, but also Wikipedia's definition. So, so you could take the evidence and, and, and accept it, or you could leave it. It doesn't matter to me, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as most of my listeners, and, and I don't think that any of them have, 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 um, have doubted me, Eli James is a universalist. I'm being fair in my use of the label. It's not the pejorative which he claims. We'll address some of that. It's all addressed on the Christogenia Forum. It's, it's summed up in the March 16th podcast. If you haven't heard it, I suggest that you do. In fact, last Monday, Pastor Visser told me he was going to listen to it. Now, in response to my attempt to address and define the issues, last month, Eli James issued a 21-page paper Labeling me a, a master of Talmudic deception. That's rich. And all kinds of accusations against my character, against my background, uh, against, um, I don't know, personal ad hominem attacks. And, and these are why I'm doing this series called Addressing the Shills, 
to address each of the false accusations and each of the lies in that Eli James paper, I would have preferred that he simply stuck to the issues. The issues that we raised in that Universalist podcast, that e the Universalism of Eli James, on March 16th. Why doesn't he explain how a white person can be 15% Canaanite, as he stated from his own mouth, and still be considered white? Now, Compare and Swift, they would have understood that to be a tear, to be one of the tears sown in a, amongst the wheat. They would not consider that person to be white. Most of the identity Christians who I know, and especially the two seed liners, would consider that person to be a tear and to be irredeemable because the person is not white. And that's just one example of the reasons why Eli James has been labeled a universalist. Well, because that is. You mentioned the word um, pejorative. I'd like to point out Merriam-Webster's defines pejorative as a word or phrase that has negative connotations or that is intended to disparage or belittle. Now, of course, calling someone a universalist in our circle has negative connotations, but if it's true, it's true. So if you call somebody who rides with the Hell's Angels and gets in the bar fights a thug, it has negative connotations because it's not something you want to be. You don't want to be a thug, but in that case, it would be true. So, yes, to call Eli a universalist, it has negative connotations. It should. It's not, it's not a good thing to be a universalist. But in his case, we've demonstrated beyond all reasonable doubt that he is a universalist. Absolutely. In fact, we've demonstrated beyond a shadow of a doubt. But, but rather than address the issues, the criminal would rather raise great clouds of smoke and obscure the vision of the people examining him and his actions so that he can escape the charges. Or he just changes the definition of what it means to be a universalist. He makes a definition up as he goes, his little pet definition, and it's impossible for him to meet the burden. He says, I do not teach that non-Israelites will be transformed into spiritual Israelites. Therefore, I am not a universalist. Well, that's his pet definition. But by great clouds of smoke, I mean he writes 21-page papers attacking my character rather than simply addressing those issues. Just address the issues. If you can prove me wrong, that's fine. And, and, and the, the, the listeners or the readers will, will be able to see that if, if you have the facts on your side. It's that right. simple. But he, he has a pet definition. If I'm a robber and my pet definition of robbery is, well, I don't hit them over the head and take their wallet. I motion at them with a knife or a gun and then they give me the wallet. I say, sir, would you mind handing over your wallet? They hand it over. I don't attack them. It's not robbery. It's a donation. It's a contribution. The law won't see it that way. So Eli, what he's done, he has a pet definition. He doesn't meet his pet definition, so he thumps his chest and proclaims that he's not a universalist. Well, well because Eli decided to, uh, to attack my person and to disparage my character rather than addressing the issues, I thought it was time to pull the mask off of Eli James. The great impersonation is over. This man is not Eli James. And, and in part one of addressing the shills, we proved from business records that are available online, and, and this is all posted at the Christagenia Forum, that his name is Joseph P. November. That Joseph P. November is the principal of the entity, which is basically a government-approved pseudonym, a government-registered pseudonym of the entity 
Eli James Publishing. Eli James Publishing is therefore a, a business operating under license of the, the County of Cook, Cook County, Illinois, operating under license so that Joseph P. November can make business transactions under Eli James Publishing. Eli James does not exist. Eli James it is basically just like my own um, business alias, which is Plymouth Internet Services, so that I could receive checks in the name of Plymouth Internet Services so that businesses, if they hire me to do a website, which I never get hired, right? They, they look me up on the Internet, and I'm a racist, and, and I'll never get hired. Well, well, so that businesses, if they do hire me to do their website, can make out a check to Plymouth Internet Services, I have to pay taxes on the money, and they could deduct it as a business expense. Right. That's how it works. But you don't walk around town. When I, when I um, call you on the phone, I say, hi, Bill. I don't say, hi, Plymouth. You don't walk around town telling people you're Plymouth Internet Services. Well, well right. Of course Joe, not. Joe November does walk around town telling people he's Eli Joseph James. Of course not. And, and as a side note, Christagenia.org is not registered as a business in my name. I cannot cash a check in the name of org. If you want to send me a check, you could send me a check in the name of William Fink, and I could cash that check and use it as support for my endeavors at org, which is how I use all of my donations. And, and that way, I can function, and org can stay up and running, but you cannot deduct it as a business expense. You pay the taxes on it. It's, I'm not IRS 501c3. I never will be. And Christogenia.org is not a business. It, it never will be. And, and that's just the way it is. Where if you make a check out to Eli James Publishing or, or to Eli James, you could, you could probably get away with deducting that as a business expense. What a convenient situation. It, it's kind of like having an IRS 501c3 without having it. That, that's a convenient situation, and, and that's all I'll say. That's the arrangement, and, and, and that's what he does, and that's how he operates. Now, nobody in Christian identity, I don't think, would want to make a check out to Joseph November. Or, but let's examine that, because on July 29th, a dear friend of mine and, and a longtime Christian identity adherent, Don Brown in, in Louisiana, because he wrote Eli... And, and had this dispute over his name after our program, and, and Don's disputed with Eli before, and, and I should call him Joseph November because his name is Joe, right? Well, Joe denied that Joseph November was his name. Don Brown had sent um, Joe a copy of Clifton Emmerheiser's Flying Under False Colors. And Joe responded to Don Brown, and the emails posted, on the Christiania forum, under Christian identity directions, in a special sub-forum entitled Addressing the Shills. And in that sub-forum, there is a post entitled, a thread really, entitled Meet the Novembers, or the subtitle, Melissa, this is Melissa's, November Exposed in July since we made the thread in July, and we spelled it J-E-W-L-I-E. -E. That, that's really a pun, right? Well, well, that's okay. Joseph November wrote to Don Brown and said, that's not my real name either, Don. Clifton Emmerheiser just invited a lawsuit for slander. And, and that irked me because I know better. And I made this post, Meet the Novembers, 
And I laid out exactly why the person behind Eli James Publishing, exactly why his name is Joseph November. And, and I'd like to give a quick rundown on that. Real quick, I, I'm not going to take a lot of time doing this. First, there's proof on the Christiania Forum in the form of a scanned envelope and a scanned letterhead and a letter in Eli James's handwriting that Eli James first wrote to Clifton Emmerheiser in 2004 as Joseph November. Joseph November, and, and it says Joseph November on, a, on the return address, and the return address, the envelope is scanned, it's there, has Eli James, well, Joseph November's Oakdale Avenue, that's all I'll call it, his Oakdale Avenue address on it, and his handwriting and his return address and, and a postage stamp that's metered, a metered postage stamp that really can't be um, forged. It would be very difficult to forge anyway. And, and there's also a letter there scanned with Joseph November at the top and that same address, 4901, and, and the name of the street, and the handwritten phone number underneath it, and a handwritten letter signed Joseph. Now, that's how Joe November first wrote to Clifton Emmerheiser. I also, I also have evidence, I don't have it in my hand, that that's also how Joseph November first wrote to Pastor Don Elmore around that same time. And Don Elmore would, would, would readily attest that Eli James first contacted him as Joseph November. Now, aside from that, on this page, unlike Christogenia Forum, in this post, there are links to the Chicago Tribune, to Manta.com, and to PowerProfiles.com, which all show that Eli James Publishing is a business, a registered business, a business registered with Cook County, Illinois, and that Eli James Publishing, the address of that business is 4901 West Oakdale Avenue, and the principal of that business is Joseph P. November. Now, that's a legal document, and you can't go register a business in any name. You can't do it. Now, none of this would be necessary if he would just tell us the truth and tell us that his name was Joseph November. Well, this is necessary because he keeps lying about his name. I want to just um, interject here on that note. Three years ago, when we had the copyright complaints going against Lindstedt, well, when I did, Eli told me that he would make a complaint to help get Lindstedt's site shut down for good, since the more complaints coming in from different people and more people, the better. But he didn't have the time to write up the complaint. So I wrote up a three-page complaint in his name, Eli James. All he would have had to do was um, scan a copy of his driver's license and then sign the complaint under penalty of perjury, and he never submitted the complaint. And now I know why, because he can't sign a complaint under the name of Eli James because he's not Eli James. Of course, of course. Now, now, aside from all this proof that the business, Eli James Publishing, which happens to be at Eli's home address, is registered to Joseph P. November. And I'm not revealing this. This is stuff that's been laying around the Internet ever since he registered the business, ever since 2004, December 2004. That's when he became, that's when Joseph November became Eli James when he registered Eli James Publishing as a business. Now, at the White Pages website, which is actually whitepages.com, you could look up Joe P. November, and you could see that Joe P. November is related to two people, Catherine Gray and Stephanie November. You could look up 
Catherine Gray, and see that she's related to two people, Joe P. November and Stephanie November. Then you could look up Stephanie November and see that she's related to two people. This is all on whitepages.com. The links are all on christagenia.org on this forum post. Now, maybe somebody will put the forum post in the talk show chat, Brian, and in the Christagenia chat if people want to see it. The link to this um, to this Meet the Novembers website. Now, these people are all interrelated, and the address for all three people is the same address as the address for Eli James Publishing. If you go to aboutus.org, HTTP, www.aboutus.org, slash anglo-saxonisrael.com, anglo-saxonisrael.com, and this is also the links are on the same page. All these links are, are on, this, on, on this forum post. You'll see that AngloSaxonIsrael.com is managed by Joseph P. November, and the address is the same address as the business Eli James Publishing on the Chicago Tribune website and on the other websites. And that's the same address, which is in the whitepages.com listings for Joseph and Stephanie November and for Kathleen Gray. It's that simple. It, it it's all fits together like a glove. This is all readily available public records. Okay? Now you go to the next post, November-Takla, N-O-V-E-M-B-E-R, Dash T A K L A dot ourwedding dot com. And you will see that a young woman born in nineteen eighty one named Elizabeth Miranda November married a sand nigger. And I'm being honest, this is the God's honest truth. I'm looking at their picture right now. She married a sand nigger named David Michael Takla. And under About Elizabeth on this Our Wedding page, it says that her parents are Kathleen Gray and Joseph November, and that her sister is Stephanie November. All the people that live at the same address that we find the business Eli James Publishing registered to. So, Joseph November's daughter, if she's white, she's a race mixer. She's married to an Egyptian. He has very swarthy skin, a hooked nose, and very dark hair. He is not white. And that's a name that's common amongst Coptic Christians in Egypt. If now, this is Elizabeth Miranda November, and I have her picture here with, with, with her husband. She's a dead ringer for Joseph November. That's his daughter. There's no doubt. She says Joseph November is her father. There's no doubt. Now, if he'd have told the truth about his damn name, none of this would have been necessary. None of it. All he had to say is, yeah, my real name's Joseph November. And his daughter and her sand nigger husband wouldn't be posted on a Christogenia forum right now. His daughter's a race mixer. They were dating since 2005. They were engaged just two years ago. They were married three months ago. Do you think that has anything to do with his suddenly universalist doctrines? 
Is there a chance that this is why all of a sudden he's telling people that bastards will be judged on their works by their works? He said that. We played that tape. He did that in a program with Greg Howard talking about exterminationism. I think it was August 2011. It was August 2011, I'm sure, or right around there. And, and, and that tape is on Christagenia.org, and it's one segment of it, a lengthy 10-minute segment of it, is part of our The Universalism of Eli James podcast. So his daughter's a race mixer, and he's never denounced her. He's never denounced her because he's tried to hide her. He's tried to hide her because he doesn't want people to know that his last name is November. But his daughter was born in 1981, and her last name is November. And her wedding site is linked at Christagenia. Following that is a site to a German website that does um, that, that people can look up genealogy. It, it's a genealogy site in Germany. It's all in the German language, and, and it's verwant.de. And the link that is posted on the Christagenia forum is a link that tells you the distribution of my Fink surname in Germany, and, and there's Finks all over Germany. You could type November into a little search box at the top of the page, and if there are Novembers, they'll show up on a map of Germany. Well, you get thrown out to the front page when you try That's the way the site works. When there's no match, it throws you out to the front page so you could search in other countries that they have available. Now, if you type think, you'll see, or any other real German name, you'll see a name distribution in, in all the little states in Germany and, and a density uh, by color as to how many people with that surname live in that state. So there's things all over the place in northern Germany and in the Rhineland where my family is from. That, that there's one um, place where things are very dense, and, and that's where my family is from, the Rhineland. We're not from northern Germany. Now, if you type November in, you get thrown out to the front page where you could go search another country because there aren't any Novembers in Germany. There aren't any Novembers in Germany. It's not a German name. On a program about three, three years ago, after we had split, he tried to tell um, Greg Howard that his last name, which he was admitting that day was November, was a Bavarian name, and that's a lie. So now, lately, he, and, and we'll discuss this at the end of this little spiel, and I'll use that word, that Yiddish word, spiel, right? But we'll discuss this at the end of this segment and, and in relationship to his new claim that November isn't his last name. Now, if you go to Sharon.org, S-H-A-R-Y-N dot org slash name, N-A-M-E dot H-T-M-L, and this link's also on Christagenia. If you go to Sharon.org, you'll find the webpage of a woman named Sharon November, who's a Jewess. She admits being a Jewess. She doesn't think there's anything wrong with being a Jew. I mean, this is the real world. It's, it's not Christian identity. They, these people don't know there's anything wrong with being a Jew, right? We do. Well, well um, Sharon November explains her name. And at the bottom of the page, she says... And these are her words that they're not mine. She says that November is a name that, um, that when, when, when the Poles, the Jews in Poland, had to come up with last names, November is a name that certain Jews took, and, and that all Novembers are related. Well, Bill, she actually says that in the 1850s in Poland, the Jews were arbitrarily assigned last names by the government so they could be taxed. 
and most of the names were being assigned in the autumn, and it happened to be that it was the month of November, so a lot of them got the name November. Right. So, so she says that all Novembers are related. That they're her words, and her last name is November, and her father, she cites her father as an authority on the family name, and, and I'm sure, well, he probably is. So November is a Jewish name. It belongs to Polish Jews. It doesn't belong to any Christians in Germany. It's a Jewish name. Now, below that is a link to a um, Shelby County News real estate transaction, which was conducted by Joseph November and Kathleen Gray when they sold a certain lot that they owned in Shelbyville, which again proves that his name is Joseph November. He's the husband of Kathleen Gray, and they both live at the same business, the same address where the Eli James Publishing business is registered in Cook County, Illinois. It's the same address. Now, it's the same address that Stephanie November and Kathleen Gray and Joseph November have at whitepages.com. All of this interlocks. It's without doubt that since 1981, when his children began to be born, because he's claiming something different now, but since 1981, his legal name and the name of his two daughters is November. His wife does not use that name. She evidently maintains her maiden name, I guess, which is Gray. Well, that, that in itself, there's a bit odd, since they were married presumably in the 60s. She had to be a trailblazing, hardcore feminist to insist on using her maiden name, because even today it's fairly uncommon. But back then, unless you were a bra-burning feminist, it was absolutely unheard of, wasn't it, to insist on using your maiden name? 35 years, it, it, it's the... the, the um... His daughter said his parents were married for 35 years, so I guess that would be 1967. And she doesn't use her husband's name. So, yeah, it is something up with that. I mean, she, she might be a Helen Reddy prototype, right? Or a Bella Abzug prototype is probably more appropriate. Right, but just to say the least, it's bizarre. It warrants a bit of attention. Well, well, if you go to mylife.com slash 176253401, this link is a little further on to, the, to the, the original post. It's in a subsequent post, which I made later that day or the next day, I forget. This link will tell you that Joseph P. November was born in 1946. Joseph currently lives in Chicago, Illinois. Before that, he lived in Chicago, Illinois in 1999. Before that, he lived in Shelbyville, Illinois in 2010. It's all put together with website pro with, with, with computer programs that aren't perfect. They're just looking for records and piecing it together automatically, right? So it doesn't always make sense. However, Joseph P. November is registered at my, it is listed at mylife.com as living in Chicago, Illinois, and Shelbyville, Illinois, in the past. And his work is listed as the manager of Eli James Publishing. Imagine that. Now, below that, there's a picture called, well, well there's another post called Rainbow Novembers. And under the post Rainbow Novembers, in that same thread, we see another picture of, of Elizabeth November and her lovely Sandnigger, I, I mean, I'm sorry, her lovely husband, David Takla. And we see another man, a Chinaman. 
And I've identified the Chinaman as a man called Louie. Louie is the star of one of Stephanie November's videos on her MySpace page. Imagine that. It's entitled Louie in a Tree. And we link, and, and I'm sorry, but I inverted the links. I have Elizabeth's link on Stephanie's name and Stephanie's link on Elizabeth's name, or I screwed up something there. Um, right, on Stephanie's name, I got Elizabeth's MySpace, and on Elizabeth's name, I got Stephanie's MySpace. That's okay. Click on the link for Louie below, and you'll be taken right to um, Stephanie's videos at MySpace. You, you better do this quick, because it may not be there tomorrow. Joe November might ask his daughter to take it down. You click on the link on that thread and get to Stephanie's videos page, and you'll see Louie's the star of a video that she made, and you'll hear her giggling and talking to him in the background as the Chinaman's up in a tree, and they're having a grand old time. Now, I don't know if Louie is a, um, a paramour or just a friend. I'm not going to make any accusations without more information. But, you know, if you look at the pictures on these MySpace pages for both of Joseph November's daughters, this man is supposed to be a Christian identity pastor for 40 years. Well, he has two daughters that have a list of friends you'd expect to see on some Chicago Jewess. You'd expect to see this list of friends maybe on the, on, on, on the MySpace pages for Barack Obama's kids. Now, um, about Stephanie, did we ever identify that hook-nosed Jewish-looking guy that, you know, um, she's sucking his face and it looks like they're, they're having quite a time and they might be getting busted for lewd conduct soon? It looked like her boyfriend. Did we, were we ever able to identify was that her boyfriend or... Those identifications, so I didn't post all those pictures, and we, we, we obtained some pictures from her Facebook page, and, and I'd like to know if the Chinaman's her boyfriend. I don't know, but she seems awfully close to him. She's having a small time with him in the video, and, and here's a picture of two couples in the Chinaman. Did Stephanie take the picture? I don't know. I'm not going to make any accusations yet about Stephanie, but Elizabeth's married to an alien. There's no doubt that one of Joseph November's daughters is married to an alien. We have their wedding page on a wedding site, on a site that specializes in allowing people to tell stories about their weddings. And it's linked right on, it, right, right on his thread. It's irrefutable evidence that the name of the person behind Eli James Publishing who lives at Eli James's address, who's married to Eli James's wife, who's the father of Eli James's daughters, his name is Joseph P. November, and his daughters are race mixers. Or, or at least his one daughter's married to an alien. And that might be affecting his Christian identity thoughts and thoughts about the Bible, and maybe that's why all of a sudden he's creating an identity theology that is made or, or that attempts to make Christian identity safe for bastards. It, it's obvious to me, I, I mean, that this has affected his theology. His theology has changed drastically. Today, I was listening to a, um, I was listening to a program that Joe November and I did together in October 2010. And this is a really popular program. It's one of our most popular programs. I mean, we have some programs that did get a lot of downloads. I mean, five, ten thousand downloads, right? Well, this is one of them, and it's Ezekiel chapter thirty-eight. And I was listening to this Ezekiel chapter thirty-eight 
program that um, November and I did together, and I only, I only listened to about the first 40, 45 minutes of it. I didn't have time to listen to it all. And in fact, it has 5,872 downloads. It's currently at archive.christagenia.org. Brian, I don't have my browser and, and my chat rooms on the same location. So, so I'll put this in, in your Skype. If you'll transfer it to the chat rooms, I would, to both chat rooms, I would all appreciate right. it. This program, in this program, I explained that all these other races, that all this, that this flood of immigrants um, into the white nations, I explained that they were the hordes of Gog and Magog that have come against the camp of the saints, that have come, that, that, that Gog is brought against the children of Israel. And Joseph November agreed with me. I explained that Gog was the, the, the international Jew, and Joseph November agreed with me. I explained that according to the word of God, that all these people were going to be destroyed, and Joseph November agreed with me, and it's right there on my damn website in a podcast. He agreed with me all the way. He never disputed it once. Not one time. I said, fire is going to come down from heaven, as it says in the Revelation, and destroy all these immigrants and all these hordes of Gog and Magog and, and, and these aliens that are the flood out of the mouth of the serpent. And Joseph November, in October 2010, agreed with me, and the tape is on Christagenia.org. And it's on TalkShoe, on his Christagenos program that he still operates under one of my names, right? It's still there. It's October 15th, 2010. Go to archive.christagenia.org, look at the right-hand menu, click on the Ezekiel programs, and you can download it and listen, it to, you, listen to it for yourself. In October 2010, Eli James agreed with my eschatology, with my interpretation of end-time scripture. Eli James agreed with it. 100%. He never disputed it once. Then his daughter gets engaged to a sand nigger. Now he wants to say that they're going home to their own, to wherever they were created, to live happily ever after. Again, calling me an exterminationist now. So what the hell is up with that? His double-mindedness is all over our old podcasts. His daughter married a sand nigger, and his theology has changed. It's absolutely evident. It's right in those programs. That's all we're going to recap on, on, on his name. I'd like to move on with this paper. Well, what about his latest name change? Do you want to get into that much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's now today. Well, one of our good. I don't think he'll he'll mind one bit if I mention his name. He's not in the chat tonight, though. He might be busy. Bruce Bond wrote Joe November today, and Joe November tried to say that Joe November is not my real name. My real name's Joseph Putz. It's a barbarian name, and to give that claim credence, he he put a link in to a place called House of Names where somebody could see the Putz coat of arms. Well, well, that doesn't prove a damn thing, right? Uh, I mean, you could take any, 
any German name out of um, any database anywhere in the world, or, or, or he could probably find a couple of German names in, in, in the um, Cook County phone book. Now, I know he, he's tried to claim that Putz was his real name before, but he wrote Bruce Bung, and, and he told Bruce that he uses an alias to protect the identity of his children. Well, if your real name is Putz, and you use the November name to protect the identity of your children, why the hell are his daughters named November? You're, you're always begging the question, Bill. Why are his daughters? That's a lie. He's trying to make a lie, and I'll tell you why he's trying to lie and claim that his name is Putz. He's trying to lie and claim that his name is Putz to escape the fact that November is a Jewish name, and that his real name is November, and he's a Jew. That's what he's trying to escape. He doesn't want to contend with the fact that he has a Jewish name. There's no doubt. His logic here, he's claiming since Putz is Yiddish slang for male genitalia, that no Jew would ever name himself Putz. Well, well, that's fine, but he's a Jew named November. He's not a Jew named Putz. If he was a Jew named Putz, using November as an alias, his daughters would be named Putz, and we'd have never found them. Right. We'd have never found them because we wouldn't have known to look for somebody named Putz. He wouldn't be buying and selling land under the name November. He'd be buying and selling land under the name Putz, and the company wouldn't be registered to an alias. Now, now no self-respecting German changes his name anyway, especially to a Jewish name like November. And nobody changes their name to simply some name they think sounds cool. Unless you're a, a drug-crazed idiot, there has to be good reason to change your name. If you're a white man, if you're a German, believe me, I know. I mean, I was lucky. I was bigger than most of the other kids in school. But I still caught shit over my name being Fink. But it's a good German name. In fact, the first Finks, and this is no lie, you can look it up on Wikipedia, the first people with my name were conquering Prussia and converting, forcing Christianity on the, on, on the, the, the pagan tribes of Prussia. So even though my name is abused by the Jews, I'm sure as hell not going to change it. I'm sure as hell not going to change it because my name is my heritage. My name shows people who I am and what I came from. If you're a real German, you're proud of your name. You're damn proud of your name, and there's no way you would part with it. You would die in defense of it. You don't just change it to a Jew name but because you're afraid for your wife and kids, and then you turn around and give your kids the Jew name anyway. No. His real name is November. The Putz thing is just another smokescreen that he's trying to convince some people that he's not a Jew. He's a lying bastard is what he is. And his lies don't add up. And when you're a liar and you get caught, you have to make up more lies to cover for your first lies. That's what the Putz story is. He might be a Putz, but he's a Yiddish Putz. He sure as hell is in a German Putz. Interestingly enough, if you look up the name Putz, almost all of them are located in Berlin anyway. And Pastor Downey says that nobody else has done this in CI, and that's true. 
Bertrand Comparé's name was Bertrand Comparé. Wesley Swift's name was Wesley Swift. He had a lovely wife. He, he, he trusted in God to look out for her. Are you sure Wesley Swift didn't have one name for preaching and writing, another name for his rock band, right. and another name for his business? Sheldon Emery's name was Sheldon Emery. Pete Peters, as much as I hate him, Pete Peters' name is Pete Peters. And yes, I despise Pete Peters because he despised his, his supposed brethren, if in fact he's, he's an Israelite. The um, E. Raymond Cap, uh, I mean, his name was E. Raymond Cap. His father's name was San Jacinto Camp. Capped. He didn't try to hide his name, and, and if my name was San Jacinto, I would sure as hell think about it. <laughs> he didn't try to hide his name. Yeah, you know, it's, it's Dave Barley even. His name is Dave Barley, Ted Whelan. His name is Ted Whelan. Dan Gaiman's name is Dan Gaiman. Why does um, Joe November have to be special? Because he lives in Chicago? Well, well for, for three years he's been preaching that people should be fleeing to the mountains. He's still in Chicago. What a hypocrite. He's a liar and a hypocrite. The proof is all on my forum. There's no doubt. It's irrefutable. His last name is November because his children's names are November. You're just being cruel. You just don't like him. Well, what's really good is after um, after Don Brown wrote to him and said, no one knows who you are, Joe November responded to Don Brown in, in, in an extremely, um, exceptionally hypocritical way. Bill, may I um, read and discuss? I'd, I'd like to read and dissect the, the email, if I may. Be my guest, because my, my browser's running a little slow, and I can't even find it. From Eli James, date 7-30-2013, 9-17 p.m. Subject, reply. Who are you? Does anybody know you? The whole world listens to me preach on Sundays. Does anybody listen to you, little egomaniac? So here, here we see Joe November calling... Don Brown, a little egomaniac, in the same sentence where he's bragging that the whole world listens to him preach on Sundays. This is the height of pharisaical hypocrisy and chutzpah that we would expect from somebody named November. Now let's take a look at the next sentence. The Bible says that we should be guileless and humble ourselves. Don't you know anything? Well, I'm just I'm floored by Joe November's humility. He's calling somebody a little egomaniac after bragging the whole world listens to him. And how dare you? You're not humble. We're supposed to be humble. Don't you know anything? I'm just, I'm, I'm in awe. I'm, I'm breathless here. I'm speechless. The next well, line. Well, that, that's incredible. It's incredibly hypocritical. I can't, you can't um, go, go to great enough lengths to... to um, to, to point out the hypocrisy. It, it's amazing. It, it's right. amazing. Watch out. It gets better, though. I shudder at watching you burn. So everyone gets judged on their works, but if you disagree with Joe November, you're going to burn because you're a hater. The Jews don't have to go to the lake of fire. They can go back where they came, and his son-in-law can go back where he came, and 
Don Brown has to go to the lake of fire because he's a little egomaniac. I shudder at watching you burn. Take heed, Mr. Brown. I know you better than you know yourself. Praise Yahweh, Pastor Eli James. So, who... I'm just, I'm amazed. He's talking about humility, yet he knows Don Brown better than he knows himself. The whole world listens to me preach on Sunday. Does anybody listen to you, little egomaniac? You can't well, make that up. It, it, it's I, I don't know. It's incredibly um, well. Well, first, it's incredibly arrogant, and and it's absolutely not. That there's not one ounce of humil- humility in that response. I wouldn't even expect this from a regular Judeo pastor. No way. The whole world listens to me preach on Sundays because perhaps 200 to 250 people listen to Republic Radio all the time. And he gets those listeners by like default. Right. So maybe- he does Republic Radio. Well, that doesn't mean, uh, I mean, 250 listeners. I've got podcasts, no lie. I have podcasts that have been downloaded 30,000 times. 30,000 times. The Judas Goat's been downloaded 30,000 times. And and, and I have several other podcasts that are in that range. Now, some of my podcasts get downloaded 200 times, and, and that's fine. But the majority of them get downloaded thousands of times, and it's a drop in a bucket. 30,000 podcasts, that's a drop in a bucket if 30,000 people listen to one program. The Jews get on Fox News or, or, or on CNN, and, and 30 million people listen to them all the time. So, so let's, put, let, let's put our lives and, and our message in perspective here. Yes, we want our message to get out. Yes, we want to be effective. But does the whole world listen to Joe November on Sunday morning because he has 200, 250 listeners? Hardly. Well, Bill, you're not being fair. Maybe he's got a listener in Tanzania, a listener in Indonesia, New Zealand, the Falklands, Antarctica, Israel, Turkey. So if you look at his listeners, maybe they are spread out across the world, and that's what he meant. Israel, Turkey, Israel, Turkey. If you go to um, – I know how many people listen to to – most online radio stations, I mean, Alex Jones is the kingpin, right? He has twelve or 13,000 listeners on any given morning. There's no doubt. If you go to um, shoutcast.com and do a search for Republic Broadcasting, it'll tell you how many people are listening to Republic Broadcasting at any one time. Now, I could also tell you that um, it's not all that accurate, and I know I know that from experience because I see the reports that it gives my five streams and, and, and compare it to what the streams are actually telling me, and it's really different, and the website always seems to be far behind, right? Well, well um, you can go and get a rough estimate of the people listening to any Internet radio stations if they're running the Shoutcast software, and Republic Broadcasting does run Shoutcast software. So you could go on a Sunday morning and, and, or, or any time and see how many people listen to Republic Broadcasting. And, and sometimes on a Sunday afternoon, I've seen four or 500 people listening to it, and sometimes it, it's 200. Now, and, and there's several streams because there are different bit rates, right? So, so you have to kind of add them up. But if you go to Republic 
broadcasting's website and look at their web rankings, their web rankings aren't anywhere as near, near as high as Christogenia's, their website rankings. And I'm not bragging. That's just the simple truth. You could go, you could go check it on Alexa.com. Christogenia right now is 30,000 in the U.S. and 214,000 in the world. And if you go look at Republic Broadcasting, you'll see that they might be like um, 400,000 in the world and maybe 100 and something thousand in the U.S. So they're not getting um, – he, he's not parlaying his 250 listeners into podcast downloads, especially since um, Republic Radio podcast downloads cost money. And if their website ranking is 400,000 and only a small fraction of those people are actually paying money for podcast downloads, they're not making a whole lot of money on and, – and people aren't downloading a whole lot of his podcasts from Republic Radio. It, it's, just, it, it's just not happening with those numbers. Now, on top of that and, – and the Alexa King is in the forum, Mike – Mike Delaney from ProSync, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, well, 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 on top of that, Eli James's website, before we started this Shills podcast, and I have the proof of this on Christogenia, before we did Shills Part 1, Eli James's website was ranked 8.8 .8 million in the world. And it was like that for a long time. And as soon as we started this series answering the Shills, he's climbed up to about 2.7 million. So I think I can probably take credit for bringing Eli James's website rankings up about 6 million slots. And, and I'm not bragging, but what I'm saying is that Eli James's Republic Radio broadcast might be heard by 250 people or 500 people some mornings. But he's not parlaying that into website visits, downloads, and things like that, which are things, you know, the, the, the live programs are transient, Right. They come and they're gone, and, and nobody hears them again unless they go get a podcast download. Podcast downloads are why I do this because it's not that I don't enjoy doing a live program. I certainly do. I love seeing the camaraderie in the chat room, especially at Christogenia. Um, sometimes it talks you. But, but the, and, and the camaraderie in the chat room and all that's nice, but, you know, Sometimes some of my programs, my Bible studies, only get a few hundred downloads, and sometimes they get 10,000. And that's what I like to see because that gets the message out, right? Because those people copy them and share them, and that gets our message out, and that's how we're effective, right? I don't know who, but somebody's been posting a lot of our cultural Marxist series a few years ago. They posted it on YouTube in multiple parts, and those are getting a few hundred views on YouTube. Well, well, actually, that plus my Bible studies, I mean, even the ones I did with, with Joe November, hundreds of them are posted on YouTube. I don't do it. I, I don't know who does it. I appreciate the people that do it. I love them. I hope I, I just want the message to spread as cheaply and a, as effectively as possible, right? And, and that's all that's important. But for me to say the whole world listens to me, please shoot me. Please shoot me. Even with 30,000 podcast downloads, my Patriot Dames program has about 25 now. My, my, my Lambs to the Slaughter and, and my, my Matthew programs, they all have over 4,000, over 5,000 downloads. But I wouldn't say the whole world listens to me. If I ever say that, please shoot me. That's absolutely arrogant. That email to Don Brown, anybody who wants to verify that email to Don Brown, I will hook you up with Don Brown. And I'm sure he will verify it. Now, this is the sort of 
such arrogant chutzpah we would expect from a Jew, though, bragging about how humble he is in one breath while accusing someone else of being an egomaniac after he just gets done declaring the whole world listens to him. It's absolutely incredible. It's doublespeak. He's talking out of both sides of his mouth. I'm the most humble person in the world. The whole world listens to me preach. You're an egomaniac. Right. And that's absolute arrogance. It's absolute arrogance. And then it's telling a man that you know him better than he knows himself. That's just Jewish psychobabble. And that's absolute arrogance, too. He's not humble at all. But that's the, the pattern that I've noticed with Joe November since I split with him, is that he'll be awfully nice to you. Honey will pour from his mouth if he thinks you're on his side. And as soon as you show him any adversity at all, because all the people, not all the people, but a great number of people who have written Joe November over the last three years to question him and even to honestly question him about some of the issues that I've raised in his teachings. He has been, as soon as he detects that they might be adversarial to him, he is one nasty bastard. That's exactly how he acts. He is one nasty bastard. And I've seen it again and again and again. He disparages people immediately as Finkeheisers. That they're Finkeheisers simply because they oppose Eli James. That's what he thinks about people. He, he doesn't believe that people can think for themselves. What, when, um, I, I'm not going to say his name. He, he, he's a good brother. He hasn't been around in a, in a few months. He's kind of tied up with his career and his family. But when the Eli James chameleon video was made, Eli James was blaming me for it. And the person that made that video wrote to Joe November, wrote to Eli James and said, why are you giving Fink the credit for my video? Fink didn't make it, I made it. And, and he, he started to slander the hell out of that person in, in an email and, and, and mistreat him because he was a Finkaheiser. Don Brown's here in the chat room. Don Brown can, um, he's in the talk shoe chat. He can verify the, the emails that he received from Joe November. Well, well anyway, he immediately started to disparage this person as being simply a follower of Fink. And, and the people that, that, that um, have problems with Eli James's doctrines and some of the things that he's saying, well, well, you know, that doesn't mean that they're followers of Fink. These people can think for themselves. They're not Finkaheisers. They can think for themselves, or, or thinkaholics, as, as Mark just said in the Christagenia chat. These people can think for themselves, but he is, he, he's basically looking down on them as if they can't, as if they're not able to think for themselves. Well, isn't that what a head shrinker, a psychiatrist, somebody versed in psychological manipulation would do? Smear your enemies with a label. Right. And all the while, scream persecution. Well, well it's, it, it's very clear. If you go to archive.christogenia.org and check out the program for Ezekiel 38, that, that, um, that in October 2010, Joseph November agreed with the eschatological teachings which I had taught that the eschatological, that, that's a tongue twister, right? The end time teachings, which I presented in our Ezekiel series, 
concerning the other races, concerning non-whites. I have not changed. Joseph November was agreeing with me in October 2010. That program has over 5,800 downloads. I might, I might take that off of the archive site, repost it on Christagenia, and put it on my front page tomorrow. And, and I'm going to do that. In, in fact, it's really still on Christagenia. I just unpublished it. I'm going to put that program on the front page of Christagenia.org tomorrow. And I'm going to put a caption, and it's going to say something like, listen to Joe November, a.k.a. Eli James, agree with William Fink on the end times and the non-white races, because that's what he does. It's absolutely clear. It's absolutely clear he's, he, he's a damned hypocrite. But let's get into this paper. You know, we have many pages left to cover this paper, and we haven't progressed too much in four programs. The next section of um, Eli James's paper, Shills Are Us, written about, it's part five, written about me, William Fink, is this, and I'm going to get into it right now, Joe November says, likewise, his, meaning me, his claim that I am a universalist is laughable. And he underlines this next sentence, he says, as I have never deviated from the doctrine of absolute racial segregation. So what does that mean? When his son-in-law is visiting, he has a separate but equal room? Well, well I guess so. You know, I wonder if he, um, I wonder if he went to the wedding. Well, you know, they had the, uh, the the bride's family on one side, the groom's family on the other, in separate but equal chairs. Well, well, let's put it this way, okay? We can't prove from the wedding website of Elizabeth November that Joe November was at the wedding because she didn't take pictures of the guests. That they're not. It was a small wedding. It was done in City Hall. Joe November did not officiate the ceremony according to the wedding thing. It was done at City Hall. I don't think he's the local constable, too, right? Well, well um, Stephanie November attended the wedding. Now, if one of my ch children was a race mixer and another of my children who was living in my house was approving of the race mixing, she wouldn't be living in my house any longer. She would be out the door. Go live with your sister. Go live with your sister, the race mixer. So, so who knows what he's done with Elizabeth November. I know this that when my children did things that I disapproved of, as soon as I had the opportunity, I publicly disclaimed them. And I've done it several times on my programs and on my website, on williamfink.net, of course. It, it's down right now, but my pictures will be back online as soon as I get the chance to, to reorganize them, which is going to take some time. Now, WilliamFink.net is not down, but my, photo, my family photo albums are down. You can see pictures of me at the About page, me, my parents, my childhood pictures, pictures of my brother, pictures of my sister. Um, more recent pictures of me are all on the About page at Christagenia.org. They've been there for two years, e even though WilliamFink.net, the pictures are taken down temporarily. That, now, um, I don't hide nothing. That now, I, I publicly disclaim my daughter on many programs, and I realize, doing what I do, that I have to make that disclaimer. Now, now I could have hid my daughter. My daughter married somebody that's part Jew, and, and um, I told her about it in 
2000 or 2001, and I've been estranged from her ever since. Now, you have to. Doing what I do, I feel that I have to make that admission. I can't hide that. But anybody that wants to verify that I'm estranged from my daughter, you could go to my daughter's Facebook page. Her name is Jennifer Marie Fink, F-I-N-C-K. She, she lives in upstate New York in, in – um, I actually forget the name of the damn town, but in, in Kingston. That's it, Kingston, New York. And I'm not afraid. I don't hide anything. And you could ask her when the last time she spoke to her father was, and she won't be able to, to, to say anything other than 2000 or 2001 with any honesty whatsoever. I haven't talked to her. She's disowned. I told her she's dead to me. That's the way it is. Now, her husband has blonde hair and green eyes and white skin. But, but he still doesn't fit the bill, and, and he's, I, I didn't approve of him, and I told her, and she just ch chose him instead of me when I told her it was him or me. That's the way it was. I was estranged from my daughter. I was in prison. I really couldn't do anything about it. I had no control over her education after she was 13 years old. So, so that's the way it happens. But here's a 40-year Christian identity pastor who was with his daughters the entire time they were raised. And if he hasn't publicly disowned his daughter, he has no excuse now. Well, you know, Bill, Clay Douglas worked with Eli for two years and didn't realize identity was about racial purity. So maybe his daughters were in his household for 25 years and they never figured out that racial purity was important because they never heard it. I would believe that because he probably um, never taught them because playing identity pastor is definitely just a game to him. It's something he does under a pseudonym as a hobby on the side. That, that's what I gather. Do they even know that Dear Daddy Joe is going off to Klan rallies and Nazi rallies and is on video footage wearing a robe and hood giving speeches? Right. Aside from his race-mixing daughter Elizabeth, and I, wouldn't even, I would never rub that into any man if he disclaimed that, that, that person, that family member. That's, that's why we're told the New Testament, that's why we're told that the Word of God divides families, and it should. And if the Word, every family in, in this current onslaught against our race, in the propaganda wars and the spiritual wars which we face, there is no family in America that is going to be unaffected by this. There is no family that is going to have, that, that is not going to have somebody that marries a squat monster or somebody that marries a beast from Africa or somebody that marries an Asian. It's going to happen. But we cannot accept that sin. We have to put those people away. That's the model that's the biblical model we see in Ezra chapter 10. We have to do that, and especially if you're claiming to be a pastor. You're setting an example for, the, well, he's setting an example for the whole damn world if you listen to him. The whole world listens to him. Too bad his daughters aren't amongst that world. Well, well, right. Obviously, the whole world doesn't listen to him because his own damn daughter's a race mixer. She doesn't listen to him. How could he make that claim? Well, well, anyway, not to harp on his daughter, but, you know, he did deviate from the doctrine of absolute racial se segregation. He did it rather recently. And I'm not talking about his personal life. 
I'm talking about when he told Jose the Mexican on Republic Radio that all races were to work together. And we get that from Scripture. That's what Eli James said, and Greg Coward sat there and listened to it and accepted it. And they said that in a program several months ago on Republic Radio that is part of our, that segment, it's, oh, it's at least five minutes. I forget exactly how long it is. I think it might be more like 11 minutes. That segment is part of our program, The Universalism of Eli James. And we have clear proof, and I have links to the original podcasts. That segment is when he told Jose the Mexican that all the races that God wanted all the races to work together, and we were supposed to get that from Scripture. And he said to Jose the Mexican that Israelite separation was only a separation of worship. That's what he said. And that's a major deviation from the doctrine of absolute racial segregation. Because Israelite separation is a complete separation from the other races. That's what we're told. Now, we understand that in this world, that's very difficult for us to do. However, we also have to understand that is what God wanted of us, and it's what God wants us to do. So, so we can't, uh, I mean, we're tied up in Babylon. Yes, we are. We're going to have to deal with somebody from the other races from time to time in, in situations that we can't control unless you want to go to prison or unless you want to starve or, or whatever. I'm not going to judge my brother. However, the Bible demands total separation in every aspect of our lives, and that's the godly model. It's not just a separation of worship. You're not, you shouldn't live with them. You shouldn't marry them, especially. You shouldn't eat with them. You shouldn't um, socialize with them. There's a lot of things. You might have to work with one once in a while or lose your job, and, and that's fine. I'm not going to judge a man for, for, for not wanting to lose his job. He won't be able to feed his kids. Well, that's fine. But you don't take them home. You don't go to football games with them. You, you don't um, let them date your daughter. You, you don't have parties with them. You don't need to do all that. And nobody can make you. So, so separation for, for the children of Israel is supposed to be complete. It's not supposed to be just a separation of worship, as Joe November told Jose de Mexico. And the tape's there. It's on Christagenia. It's, it's there for anybody to hear. Do you want to read the next paragraph? Um, I, I kind of lost my spot. Are we at the – can you just give me the first few words? In all of these things. Oh, in all of these things, I follow Scripture, not William Fink. The rules of engagement of Deuteronomy 29 through 20 make it very clear that only the very specific Canaanite tribes of verse 17 are to be completely exterminated. All other nations or tribes are to be offered peace, offered terms of peace, verse 10. If they refuse those terms of peace, only then are the Israelites to smite them. We are not to intermarry with these people unless they are white. And I want to stop right here. He's talking about Canaanites, and then he says, unless they're white. I, I didn't know Canaanite tribes could be white. So why does he even need to put that there? We can't intermarry with them unless they're white. Well, well, if, they were, if they were white, they wouldn't be Canaanites. It, it's kind of ambiguous, but he might be referring to all other nations or tribes, right? All right. And I'd also like to point out, too, though, that 
Deuteronomy 29 through 20 doesn't say only those tribes. It, 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 it names about six or seven tribes. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I do remember it says namely, and then it goes on to list a bunch of tribes. And the word namely is defined to mean specifically, especially, with special attention given to. It's never been defined to mean exclusively or only. Well, well right. But the, the real problem with this is that the context is the land of Canaan, right? Right. Who's in the land of Canaan? And do we project this context in the land of Canaan to the wider world in the, in the distant future? Well, he also says that otherwise they are to be placed under tribute, under the dominion of Israel. In all of these cases, BF, that's you, Bill, has radically distorted my words and clear teachings. So now it's getting to the point where he can't even write out your name. You're just BF. And I'd like to point out, too, we're not to place Edomites and Canaanites and serpent seed under our dominion and make them pay tribute. We're to exterminate them whenever we have the chance. I think that's the commandment in the Old Testament. It's not necessarily applicable today, but back then we were told to wipe out the Canaanites, every last one of them. And if they're put under dominion, it's inevitable that mixing will occur. There's no, there's no way around it. Wouldn't you agree, Bill? If we conquer the Canaanites, put them under dominion, and extract tribute from them, eventually intermarriage will occur. Absolutely. There's no way around it. And if we couldn't, you know, if Adam couldn't control one Eve, uh, I mean, not to disparage women, but if Adam couldn't control one Eve, and, and we have enough problems with men today too, right? That's what I mean. That Then how are we going to control 20 million Eves or 50 million Eves or 100 million Eves? How are we going to control them? Or if we and, control, even if just 1% or 2% of white guys wind up being an Esau, there's going to be mixing. And one of the things that got our race into an awful lot of trouble is the, the Viking penchant for Eskimo women, right? I, I mean, come on. So, so race mixing, you know, people quite often can't control their libido. And, and if you have them, you're right. Eventually, there's going to be some mixing somewhere, and it's unavoidable. And, and, and the, the argument, the, the, the vacuous argument that November is always offered in that aspect is that we'll have our Shekinah glory and, and, okay. and that'll prevent us from mixing. But it didn't prevent Eve. Right, but he, just, he, he then makes it even more circular by saying, well, we'll have learned our lessons by then. Really? Well, well right. that's supposition. Well, it's not supported well, by anything. There's three people in the garden, Adam, Eve, and God, right? And, and they didn't learn their lesson, right? There's, there's two white people and, and Yahweh, right? Right. And, and, and they couldn't handle it then. He thinks half a billion white people will learn their lesson. That's hyperbole and supposition. It is hyperbole and supposition. But in October 2010, on October 15, 2010, Eli James agreed with my exterminationist theory. He agreed with it without a whimper. He agreed with it quite naturally. He just went along with it, never countenanced it, and, and, and basically agreed that, that all these other races were the hordes of that, that, and all these immigrants, and that's the way I termed it, all these immigrants were the hordes, all these aliens are the hordes of, of Gog and Magog, and the flood of the serpent, he agreed with that. And I said fire was going to come down from heaven from Yahweh and destroy them all. Well, that's the, the wording, however you want to see that, whether it's allegorical or literal, doesn't matter, that's the wording of the revelation, which I had quoted, and he agreed with it. So he was agreeing with exterminationism in October 2010.
Now, let's look at this. The other tribes of the land of Canaan, those that were not the Rephaim, the Kenites, or the Canaanite tribes, right? That they were the ones listed that, that we would destroy, that they're the Canaanite nations of, of, of Genesis chapter 15. And they're basically the Canaanite tribes, even though some of the names got blended in hundreds of years later in the days of Joshua. They are basically the Canaanite tribes, the, land, the, the nations of Canaan in Deuteronomy chapter 20, right? Now, the tribes that were not from those Canaanite nations were all Adamic. They were all Adamic at that time in the land of Canaan. And, and at that time, there were no other races in Palestine other than Adamic races, Adamic nations, or, and, and there were many Adamites from other places by this time in Palestine. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the flood is like 3200 B.C., 3345 B.C. by the Septuagint chronology. If you adjust Bishop Usher's chronology and agree with that, just so that we have a measure, right? It's not perfect. 3345 B.C. is the flood. Well, well the, the um, 1900 years later is the conquest of Canaan in, in the middle of the 15th century B.C. People move, right? And it could be established, okay? It could be re relatively established. They were Aramaeans, Elamites, Mitzrayanites, or Egyptians, Philistine, who were actually descendants of Mitzrayim, according to Scripture, and Midianites, we're all in the land of Canaan. They're all white people, right? They're all Adamites, right? Now, now, there were Ammonites and Moabites also, but Ammonites and Moabites are excluded from the congregations of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 23.3, right? So Israel is not to have them in their congregations, right? Now, aside from those five Adamite tribes and members of them, and there might be some others, right? There, there might be some Assyrians. We can't discount. People move. Well, those five Canaanite tribes, those ten tribes of the land of Canaan, I'm sorry, those five Adamic tribes, and the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Israelites are basically the only people in the land of Canaan. And my point is that at the time of the Exodus, except for those tribes, there were no Negroes in the land of Canaan. There were no Chinamen in the land of Canaan. They're not in the biblical context. So the instructions concerning the Canaanites has absolutely nothing to do with Negroes or Chinamen. Furthermore, the end-time teachings of myself or Clifton Emmerheiser are not contingent upon the history of Israel and Canaan. November has here created a distraction. He's raised another dust cloud by which to obscure our actual teachings. And also, he's created another straw man argument. Because what we teach about the end times, about eschatology in the Bible, has no reliance whatsoever on the history of Israel in Palestine. None whatsoever. He's created a straw man argument. Now, even if this straw man argument is valid, you can't assume anything about the other non-Adamic races from what Yahweh commanded about these particular Canaanites in Palestine. You just can't do it. And that's what he's doing. He's trying to say that Negro, he's trying to infer 
the, the other races, the non-white races are okay because God only wanted us to, to destroy these particular Canaanites. Well, well the no. truth is that God did want us to destroy these particular Canaanites, but the other races were not part of the picture at this time. He's right. taking this out of context. So if Yahweh said, and go take out the Somalians and the Congoids and the Bushmen, the Israelites would have said, who the hell are they? Absolutely. They would have had no idea who he meant because there weren't any of them in the land of Canaan. So, so he's perverting the context of Deuteronomy 20 so that he has something to argue against, that he thinks that he could defeat. But he's not, he's not arguing against our actual teachings because neither Clifton or I have ever um, shown any contingency shown any um, dependency upon the association of, of Canaanites and, and judgment with our eschatological teachings. We just have never done that. We, we don't need Deuteronomy chapter 20 to prove our eschatological theory. Well, I'd, need... I'd like to read verse 17 and verse 18 real quick, if I may. Sure. But thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely, namely, and I'm just saying it twice, it's not actually written twice, namely, the Hittites and the Amorites, the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, as Yahweh thy God hath commanded thee, that they teach you not to do after all their abominations, which they have done unto their gods, so should ye sin against Yahweh your God. So the, the instruction, the reasoning isn't even to avoid mixing with them. Of course, that, that's implied, but it's so they're not corrupted and so they don't learn corrupt ways. Well, what is Eli or Joe or whatever the hell he's calling himself this week, what does he think the Somalians, the Cambodians, the, the Indians, what does he think they're going to teach the Israelites if they come into contact with them? If the Israelites arrive in the Congo... Are the pygmies going to teach them something useful, or are they going to teach them cannibalism and omnisexuality? Well, well, right, but I guess they're beasts of Genesis 125, so they're cool and we're supposed to rule over them, right? But then, they're, then they're nations in the Revelation, and they're judged by their works, so they evolve. Well, well right, and, and that's part of the, the shell game that Joseph November plays, is that he'll insist that these other races are the beasts of Genesis 125, and they must be good and, and then in the Revelation, he tries to make them men. And that doesn't work. And I'll tell you exactly why it doesn't work. I, de I can defeat that entire theology with one line from Scripture. And that is from the, first epistle, from the second epistle of Peter, where Peter talks about the non-Israelites who are communing with us and he calls them spots in our feasts of charity, and he tells us that they are natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. That's what they are. That's what Wesley Swift taught. They were natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. Even the evangelicals, they'll, they'll admit that's there. They just claim it only as referring to homosexuals. Well, well it's referring to non-Israelites who have basically become interlopers in our nations right. and, and are feasting off of 
the wealth which our God has provided us. It says natural brute beasts. It can't refer to the homosexuals because they're unnatural. Well, well, right. It, it's re- the, the, the the mainstream the, the mainstream biblical interpretations are even worse than right. Joe November. Their interpretation is bad, but how does um Mr. November how does he interpret this? Well, well, would you like to read this next paragraph? <laughs> All right. Well, we're by their broad brush, right? <laughs> okay. We're not making much progress, but we're doing well, I think. Yeah, well, I don't want to run this series into November. <laughs> we could be here until December 21st, 2013. And right. If off by a year, we could be in trouble. By their broad brush, and by giving a universalistic definition of the words Canaanite and Edomite, Fink and Emmaheiser teach that all non-whites are doomed to the same fate as these two demographics. Therefore, they all deserve to be exterminated. This is quite a far-fetched doctrine, which is nowhere to be found in Scripture. My refutation of this doctrinal concoction is contained in the article entitled Crumbs at ASI. Yeah, yeah, he always relies on that Canaanite woman. He extrapolates an entire universalist world uh, on the Canaanite woman story. And, 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 and basically, I disproved that last week, right? And I would stick by that, that, that Yahweh God said that he preserved the Canaanites so that they would teach us war and so that they would be thorns in our eyes and pricks in our sides. And the fact that that Canaanite woman that her daughter was healed by Yahshua Christ, that has turned a lot of pastors into universalists. And that Canaanite woman's daughter has been thorns in the eyes of every universalist pastor, fulfilling the word of God. Well, you know how easy it is to grab doctrine out of one verse or one instance. The demons, if I'm not mistaken, when they said, we are legion for we are many, they begged to be driven into the swine. Jesus obliged, and then they were all drowned. I'm sure someone like Joe November could say that the souls of the, the beast people, the, the Canaanites, the beasts of the field, they'll just be driven into the swine and they'll get to spend eternity, you know, with their souls preserved inside of a swine. See how easy it is to make up some doctrine on the fly? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's Joe November's adept at that. Yeah, you know, here, here November says, by their broad brush, and by giving a universalistic definition of the words Canaanite and Edomite. You know, we've never done that. We've never defined the words Canaanite or Edomite in such a manner. And November is a liar putting words into our mouths, oversimplifying our statements in an attempt to make them look silly, and, and that's a psychological ploy, and thereby he created another straw man argument. Okay? Let me tell you where I'll go to prove my, eschato- es- my, my teachings concerning eschatology. I could spell these words. I have a hard time saying them sometimes, right? Well, well um, King James Version of Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 11, right? Now, now first, let's, let, let's just real quick, let, let's say that we should all come to an agreement that the children of Israel have been driven to every place on this planet after their exile from, from, from Palestine 
and they're kept the Assyrian captivities and the Babylonian captivity and the wanderings of Israel have taken us all over this planet, right? We've gone through all of Asia. A lot of us got race mixed in, but we've gone through all of Asia. We've gone through all of Europe. We've gone through all of Africa in, in, in the more modern colonial period. We've gone through all of South America. We've gone to Australia, New Zealand. You know, we've gone, as the scripture says in Genesis chapter 49, we've gone to the ends of the earth. The horns of Joseph will push his people to the ends of the earth, right? And, and everybody in Christian identity should agree with that. that. That's a simple, basic Christian identity um, principle that the children of Israel are the Anglo-Saxon, Celtic, and related people and have been basically um, pushed into every nation on earth at one time or another in their dispersions. So now with that in mind, let us read Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 11, where it says, For I am with thee, saith Yahweh, to save thee, Though I make a full land of all nations where I have scattered thee, yet I will not make a full end of thee, but I will correct thee in measure and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. That's the only verse I need to prove my eschatology. That's it. That's the word of God. He'll make a full end of all the nations. Now, nations in the Old Testament are not geographical units. They're not governments. Nations are goyim. Nations are people groups. It's irrefutable in the Old Testament that nations are people groups. Well, you know what, Bill? Says he will make a full end of all the nations where he has scattered the children of Israel. It sounds like God's a finkaheiser. It sounds like God's a Finkeheiser, right. It sounds like God's an exterminationist. Well, if you don't get that from Jeremiah 30, 11, let's read Jeremiah 46, 28, where it says, Fear not, fear thou not, O Jacob, my servant, saith Yahweh, for I am with thee, for I will make a full end of all the nations whither I have driven thee, but I will not make a full end of thee, but correct thee in measure. So we have two witnesses, the same, the same basic statement in the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 30 and in chapter 46. Let's read Obadiah 1.15, where Yahweh's talking about his day of judgment. And the word heathen in the King James is that same word goyim. So, so I'm going I'm to say that it should probably be nations, but it don't matter how you want to read it. Obadiah 1.15 says, 1.15 and 1.16, you know, Joe November loves Obadiah 1.18. He never teaches anything about Obadiah 1.15 and 16. I'm going to read them because it's talking about the day of judgment. It's talking about all those people who, who, who are basically um, filling their bellies off the children of Israel is what, in the time of the end. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about the same thing that Ezekiel 38 and 39 are talking about. It's talking about the same thing that Revelations 19 and 20 are talking about. Okay? Obadiah 1.15. For the day of Yahweh is near upon all the nations or upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. For as you have drunk upon my holy mountain, now that holy mountain is the children of Israel, and most Christian identity Christians should agree with that. 
the holy mountain, Mount Zion in prophecy, that's a reference to the people of God, right? For as you have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the nations drink continually. Yeah, they shall drink and they shall swallow down. That's a reference to the cup of wrath of Revelation. And they shall be as though they had not been. That's Obadiah 1.16. They shall be all these nations drinking upon Yahweh's holy mountain. They shall all be as though they had not been. And you can check every translation of that passage, and you'll get to the same conclusion, that all of these aliens, all of these immigrants, just as Eli James had agreed with me in our Ezekiel 38 presentation in October 2010, and he agreed with me fully, they shall be as though they had not been. Why? Because fire is going to come out of heaven from Yahweh and destroy them all. Now, I don't take that literally. I believe it's an allegory. But that's besides the point. How I want to, withstand, how I want to understand it really don't matter. It's going to happen. Fire is going to come down from Yahweh out of heaven and destroy all these other races. That's what the scripture says. They shall be as though they had not been. Now, a fourth witness to these ominous prophecies is Ezekiel chapter 39. A fifth witness is Revelation chapters 19 and 20. I covered this at length in my Revelation chapter 19 and 20 program in, in my Bible commentaries on Friday nights two years ago, and that's a program that probably has seven or 8,000 downloads. I'm sure most of the people in this, in, in, in this forum listening to this program here tonight heard it. Now, that's another thing. Eli James and I split in the middle of our Revelation presentation, and someday I'm going to redo my Revelation presentation so that I could have a Revelation presentation without Joe November, but, but it's on my site for now, and it has to be because it's my, my, my only recordings, right? Well, well um, and all the notes are there, so you don't even need to listen to the podcast. All my writing is there. Christreich is online for free. You can get all the text for nothing. It, it doesn't, it, it's a little polished. It's a little more polished in the book and edited. But basically, all of my ideas are there online, and all of my interpretations of all of those scriptures. So you don't have to listen to the podcast. You can go read it. Well, well um, that this is, that this all, this is what our, teaching is that this is Clifton, this is me, we agree on this, and Joe November claims that Compre agrees with him on eschatology, and that's a lie. There's a paper by Bertrand Compre called Gathering the Tares, and in that paper, Bertrand Compre says, and I quote, this gathering of the individual tares among us, he's talking about the parable of the wheat and the tares, is exactly parallel to the similar, similar gathering of the beast nations in this same judgment. So Bertrand Compare understood that the beast nations, because he also believed that the, the other nations, the non-Adamic races, were the beast of creation, right? He did. And, and Clifton and I don't believe that, but that's okay, because I've tried to demonstrate in the past that that difference really doesn't matter as long as you're honest about eschatology, right? If you're honest about eschatology, we could get over that difference and still work together, right? But where Eli and I had to split is that sometime towards the end of, of, of um, 
2010, even though he agreed with me in the Ezekiel 38 presentation that we did, he, he, he was talking out of both sides of his mouth, and he changed and started to say that the beasts were going to be men and be judged on their works. Well, you and, know, if we give him the benefit of the doubt and consider that he might be white, one possible explanation would be that it occurred to him that David Takla, Takla, however you pronounce his name, wasn't just going to go away, wasn't a temporary boyfriend. The engagement had taken place and the wedding date was set, and he better figure out some way to fit him in and fit his grandkids in. But I'm no longer willing to grant that Joe November is white based on what we know of that November name and just everything else that's happened. Well, well, right, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I really believe that he's a Jew. November's a Jewish name. I think he's lying about the Putz name. That's not his name. His children are named November. All his property and his businesses are, are held in the name November. His name's November. And then the recent chutzpah, I, I like that term. I'll use that. That recent chutzpah with his email to Don Brown, you little egomaniac, that's, that to me is the icing on the cake. That's typical Jewish behavior. And now well, his, his latest story, oh, it's not Eli James, it's not Joe November, it's Joe Putz. Well, like I said, you know, whatever the hell he's calling himself now, it'll be something different next week. Right. My eschatology is based on Obadiah 1, 15 and 16. It's based on my, my beliefs about the end times and the other races, right? It's based on Jeremiah thirty eleven. It's based on... Jeremiah 46:28. It's based on understanding that these other races are the hordes of Gog and Magog of Revelation chapter 20 and Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. It's based on the 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 understanding of the marriage supper of the lamb in Revelation chapter 19. It's based on the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. It's based on the parable of the net in Matthew 13. It's based on the parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew 13. It's not based on Deuteronomy chapter 20. So, so Joe November is a liar. Now, I'll bet that I've done... Besides my Revelation chapter 29, I'm sorry, besides my Revelation series, where I outline my end time eschatology when I presented it, Revelation chapters 19 and 20, and besides the series I did with Eli James on Ezekiel, um, on Ezekiel, where we covered Ezekiel 38 together, and Eli and I didn't get to cover Ezekiel 39 together. We started it in the Ezekiel 38 program, but, you know, the time ran out, and the next week, Joe November took off. And I discussed Ezekiel 38 and 39 again from a general perspective, and went into details about my eschatology, no doubt, with Greg Howard the following week. So, so I, I did it with Greg Howard, and you could listen to that, and I am sure that I said all of these same things in that program, and Greg Howard, or Coward, as I like to call him, because that's what he is, Greg Coward, I'm sure he agreed with me. Now, I know, because I listened to it today, that Joe November agreed with me when him and I presented Ezekiel chapter 38, and I can prove that the recording's on Christogenia.
Now, I just read these, these um, passages where I get my, the, the core of my eschatological beliefs from. Why hasn't Joe November ever addressed exterminationism based on the scriptures that I use to uphold it and to teach it? Why hasn't he ever done that? Why hasn't he to this day ever addressed Jeremiah 30.11 or Obadiah 1.15 and 16? Well, how could he? Well, then the disagreement would go from Eli versus Bell to Eli versus God. Right. Thank you. That's so good. He, has, he has to ignore the scriptures, throw the scriptures out, and make it look like it's just a personal debate between the two of you over interpretation of something that's plainly stated in clear English. Well, you could go listen to his extermination program. He does not address the scriptures which I use to support my position. He doesn't do that. You could read his Schill's paper and he complains about my exterminationism, but he does not address the scriptures which I use to support my position. And then he claims he wants to debate me. He's never offered to debate me. He claims that I refuse debates with him. He's never offered to debate me. Three and a half years, I've never received one debate request from Joe November. Not one. And since my policy, since I've proven, or I believe I've proven, that he's a damn Jew, my policy is not to address non-whites. That's my policy. And we'll get into that further on in, in, this, in, in this Shills article, if we ever get there before 2015. Well, we will get to that, because, um, but because Joe November takes credit for defending me against Brian Akira. Well, Brian Akira is a damn squat monster. I don't address squat monsters. I don't address them. I don't care what squat monsters and Negroes say about me on the Internet. I don't address them because they are non-entities to me. They are non-entities. I don't care what squat monsters say. I don't care what Orientals say about me. I don't care what, what any non-white says about me on the Internet. I don't care. If, if our people want to go and, and, and heed non-whites, if they want to go listen to the slanders of non-whites against me, well, well, you know something? They deserve the broad path to destruction. I don't address non-whites. And, and it's obvious to me now that Joe November, he's a non-white, but I'm going, because I worked with him for two years and because I know there's a lot of white people that listen to him, I'm going to continue to address shills to, to address this paper. But my general policy, and people from Facebook that know me know, me, know this, I don't address non-whites. Hello, I'm back. Okay. You didn't miss a beat. Don't worry about it. Do you want to continue with... Um, the Gathering of the Tares? Well, well, right below that, it's, it's, we're back to Eli James right below that, right? William Fink also criticizes me for doing an interview with Daryl Bradford Smith. Have a look at Smith's website, which has always been anti-Jewish, because he is a historical revisionist. Then he includes a link. At the same time, Mr. Smith is promoting Elizabeth Dilling, A.C. Hitchcock, Willie Martin, and Eustace Mullins. 
What is wrong with that? What is wrong with making non-whites aware of the Jewish problem? It is because Mr. Smith has become aware of the Jewish pretense of being Israel that he is now promoting these other critics of the Jews. The fact is that white people go there and find out about the true motives and perfidy of the Jews. This is a good thing. From such websites, they will eventually hear about Christian identity, and the sheep can come back into the fold. Now, I'm wondering, why does he have to bring non-whites into this? He says, what is wrong with making non-whites aware of the Jewish problem? Well, is the main focus of the website to promote the writings of Elizabeth Dilling, A.C. Hitchcock, Willie Martin, and others to awaken white people, or is it to argue with the black Hebrew Israelites and Nation of Islam? Well, well, right, but yeah, you know the French Connection is what um, it's. I am the witness dot com. He calls it the French Connection his website. Don't ask me why that has no relationship to his to to his address, right? To his to his domain name. But here's the disclaimer which Dow Bradford Smith proudly displays at the top of his website. Okay, the French Connection disavows any contact with Nazis, fascists or racists in any form, more than likely all of these news groups, I don't know why he calls them news groups, are government psyops. We, and he has, he has a quote here, we are not racist, xenophobic, homophobic, or prejudiced against any race, creed, or national origin. We are prejudiced only against criminals. That's the disclaimer on Darrell Smith's website. Speaking, every Jew is a criminal. Every Jew is an antichrist. Right. Would you like to proceed? William Fink would have you believe that it is a bad thing, merely because Mr. Smith is a half-breed. William Fink would have you believe that half-breeds and non-whites are condemned to die just because they are not white. Now, these, are, no, these are Joe November's words, right? Right. By infusing identity with this rank on scriptural hatred, William Fink proves himself to be an infiltrator. Because of his subtle theology, he is by far the most dangerous threat that Christian identity faces at the present time. Well, if you remove your name and put his name, whatever it is for this week, then we have a true paragraph here. Well, well right. You know, firstly, Darrell Bradford Smith is not anti-Jewish, as Eli James claims. He's anti-Zionist. There's a huge difference. He does not promote awareness to the Jewish problem. He consistently hosts programs with Jews, such as Alan Sabrowski, and, and, and several Arabs, as well as other non-whites. Second, there are many other sites, and better sites, JR Books and, and a whole lot of sites that present the same information, come in here is, is another one, that present the same information which Smith's site does. Smith produces no scholarship of his own. He's not a writer. He doesn't write anything ac academic. He only rides on the work of others. Thirdly, here is the announcement. Well, well I already read the announcement at the top, of, the top of Smith's page. I'm sorry. Smith is an anti-racist. And he refuses to be homophobic. That's anti. That, that's an antichrist. I, I mean, you you can't. A Christian should not interject himself into such an atmosphere, right? Then Smith features an article by Willie Martin, 
right below his message. And Willie Martin was a Christian identity, and, and he was pretty hardcore. Uh, I don't really like Willie Martin because I know that he was a plagiarizer, but he was a pretty hardcore Christian identity racist, Willie Martin. That there's no doubt to that. Daryl Bradford Smith would have hated Willie Martin, but he takes advantage of one of Willie Martin's articles because Willie Martin's dead. And, and Daryl Bradford Smith stole it and put it on his website, right? Well, well, anyway, how did Eli James, let's call him Eli James for a minute, get an appearance with Daryl Bradford Smith if he would stick to basic Christian identity principles? He should have never had acceptance with Daryl Bradford Smith. The truth is that Joe November would not adhere to such principles. That's how he can work with Clay Douglas and all these other clowns, right? They really hate Christian identity. He compromises on a race issue, and he compromised on a race issue with Daryl Bradford Smith throughout that program. That was the reason and the basis for the Eli James Chameleon video, which is currently on John844.org, right? And, and John844.org is a William Fink website. It's a website that I created so that people that listen to the programs can post things, right? And, and the person that created the Eli James the Chameleon video, which I had nothing to do with, posted it on John844.org. And Joe November blamed me for producing that video even long after the video's actual producer had written him and attempted to correct him as to who produced the video. November still blamed me. Now, that video is based on November's appearance as Eli James on the Daryl Bradford Smith program, right? Now, I'm going to play, and, and I don't like this podcast because – this podcast that I'm about to play, I'm about to play a couple of minutes segment, and we'll probably end it right after that. But this is John Kaminsky and Daryl Bradford Smith. And when we do Shills Part 5 next week, we're going to open with this, okay? And I, I, I had hoped to get to this earlier in the night. John Kaminsky and Daryl Bradford Smith talk about Eli James. Now, they also say some bad things about Carolyn Yeager that I don't agree with, and, and I'll talk about that more next week. And, and let me say that John Kaminsky, John Kaminsky is a hypocrite. Because if you look up his paper, his paper entitled um, Jesus Was a Druid, and, and we'll get into this more next week, he called William Fink the great Christian identity scholar, okay? And, and that was a couple of years ago. And now in this, he, he's, he, he's knocking the hell out of Christian identity, and, and it's without merit, right? Because let me say that any movement can be infiltrated by a Jew, any movement whatsoever, and you can't always blame that on the intelligence of the people in the movement, as Kaminsky in, in, insists on doing here. So let me play this. And we also know that the Christian identity guys... I'm sorry, the first voice that you hear on this segment, the first voice you hear is John Kaminsky. And the second... I'm sorry, the first voice is... Um, John Kaminsky, the one that's calling Eli James a rabbi is John Kaminsky, and the one that says, I have Eli James on my program, that's Daryl Bradford Smith. So let's listen to it. Very suspicious. I don't know if you knew this the other day, but there was been a guy flying around the Internet for years named Eli James who insists he's a uh, Christian identity. I had him on for a show, and I absolutely loathed the interview and never would have him on again. 
It turns out he's a rabbi. Really? He was a rabbi, a rabbi secret agent who infiltrated Christian identity, which says something about their overall intelligence, and I hope Carolyn Yeager is listening to this. Uh, so Carolyn well, Yeager says that I'm a Zionist Jew. Carolyn Yeager is Christian identity and is not to be trusted. I don't... Well, well, let me say that Carolyn Yeager is not Christian identity, even though she's worked with me. And, and Carolyn Yeager is 100% on the race issue, and she'll never get along with Daryl Bradford Smith for that reason, or with John Kaminsky, because they're both anti-racists. So I'll rewind but I'm just a, a second. Too. Carolyn Yeager is Christian identity and is not to be trusted. I don't trust her for I, five seconds, that woman. Not at all. When I say that the uh, opposition is... Uh, 90% uh, Jewish, uh, that's really a low estimate. Well, John, I, the guy, Eli James, I had on was, a, was an absolute uh, dirtbag. He's a, ra he's a rabbi. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, well, there you have it. Daryl Bradford Smith, Eli James might be writing glowing words about Daryl Bradford Smith, but Daryl Bradford Smith just called Eli James an absolute dirtbag. And he's stealing Eli's little nervous laughter. Yes. Now, now I, I, I'm sorry Carolyn Yeager had to get slandered there, and, and, and that's unfortunate, but I had to point out, I had to highlight what they were saying about Eli James, right? John Kaminsky evidently bought the Skip Baker propaganda about Joe November, hook, line, and sinker, and, and I don't believe Joe November is a rabbi, but he is a Jewish infiltrator of Christian identity. There's no doubt. Now, Joe November is writing glowing words about Daryl Bradford Smith, but Daryl Bradford Smith said, I had him on, I couldn't stand him, I'll never have him on again, and he's an absolute dirtbag. And that's how Daryl... Now, now, if you listen to that chameleon video, and, and you know, it's too long to play here, it just is, but I might play it at the end of next week's segment, but Eli James the Chameleon, it's available at john844.org, all you have to do is search for Eli James Chameleon. It might be on the Christagenia forum. I'm not sure. I think it's at the Zogbots website. I'm not sure. But that video is a video, it is, is a podcast. It's portions of a podcast which were extracted from the program that Eli James did with Daryl Bradford Smith. And in it, Eli James bends over backwards to kiss Daryl Bradford Smith's ass on the race issue, he compromises on a race issue at every turn. And Daryl Bradford Smith still thinks that he couldn't stand him, he'll never have him on again, and he's a total dirtbag, as you've just heard him say. So, so I think, um, I don't know, I think that's pretty ironic. So does that mean he's not welcome to come back on as Eli James? He can go back, though, as um, Joe November or Joe Putz? Well, well, right, but what it really means is that when we compromise on a race issue, we're still going to be despised. We're still going to be hated. And that's just the way it is. We can't compromise on a race issue because even if we do, they still hate our message. There's no doubt. Well, they don't have the birthright. They resent us because we do. That, that's the best way I can sum it up. 
Well, well absolutely. They're going to hate our message no matter what. Okay, we're going to end this here. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to run into what I ran into last week, and, and we have only a few more minutes. My servers are timed to cut off, I think, at, I think at like 10.08, and, and, and then the reruns pick up again like a minute later. It, it's, um, there, there were reruns on all five Christogenia streams, 24-7, and, and they could be picked up on Winamp or on a website or on Shoutcast, and, and I have them automated so that they cut off at um, 19.50, at 7.50 p.m. Eastern Time, and, and they turn back on a few minutes after 10, so we'll uh, I can't have they're automated. Maybe hmm? Eli will have a new name for us next week. Oh, I'm sure he will. He won't be a Puts. Maybe he'll be a Studebaker. So I, I, don't, I don't know. Joe Schmuck. Yeah, Joe Schmuck is is probably about it. Okay, this is William Fink and, and Sword Brethren and, and Christogenia Saturdays. Thank you for listening. Praise Yahweh, the, Praise God, Yahweh. Of, the God of Israel, and good night.